Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. It's week two, day two of OTAs. Who was and who wasn't on the field, plus conversations about the depth at safety, and is Yelda Froholt your week one starting center? It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 647, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a five. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. Well, it is good to know that we're not the only ones, Danny. And let me explain. For those that are regular listeners here to Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, as is your father. So appreciate that from Mr. Sarek. But... The last time we spoke after an OTA, we referenced that there are certain numbers that we still do a double take, i.e. number seven. That's Kaiser White, but Byron Murphy is top of mind. 94. Zach Allen, top of mind. We're not the only ones, though, that have this problem. And it's not really a problem. Players have the same problem. Would you like to explain? Players, they're just like us, Craig. Yes. At, Everything just like us. Just like us in all aspects. I had mentioned last week that 44, which used to be Marcus Golden's number, got me because it is now rookie Owen Papo's number. And he also has dreads that were hanging out the back of his helmet the way Marcus would. And I glanced on the practice field last week and I said to you, it's going to take me a bit of time to get used to seeing 44 and it not being Marcus Golden. So at Thursday's OTA practice, I'm standing on the sideline with you and Darren Urban, and and we're watching. It's near the end of practice, and we hear a couple players in front of us say, oh, I thought that was Marcus. And we look, and Owen Papo was on the field going through a play, and we started laughing, and they turn around. I was like, yeah, I've had that same problem. They're like, man, it's so weird. (laughs) It was just funny to hear that there are so many new faces not just rookies, but also free agency signings, that the players who were here last year are still having to learn numbers and names the way the media is. That even came up in Jalen Thompson's press conference Thursday when it was asked of him if any receivers are standing out to the safety. And he was trying to to tiptoe around the fact he doesn't really know everyone's (laughs) names because he's only been out here for a few days. And he was like, Mike, someone had asked about Michael Wilson specifically. It was Paul Calvisi's question. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, he's looked good. He's number 14, right? (laughs) And everyone started laughing because he is. But it's just these players haven't spent a lot of time with each other. So it was just it was funny to hear on the practice field that some of the players were also getting confused seeing 44 on the field and it not being Marcus Golden. By the way, we can out those players. Can we not? I mean, is it it safe? Sure. I don't think it's embarrassing. All right. Cameron Thomas and Trey McBride. You've just been called out here on Cardinals cover two. And again, no different than a lot of us media fans because not only is it a new front office, new coaching staff, but there is a ton of new players on offense, defense, and special teams that, yeah, you're going to need that roster in hand. And several times during open practice, during training camp, you're going to have to look down and say, all right, all right, that's that. And then you'll 
scan somewhere else on the field and that same number will pop up again and you'll immediately think of that former player and you go, wait a second. Nope. Okay. Yes. Owen Papo. It's not the same, but even at practice, 18 had his back to us. (laughs) And I'm thinking, AJ Green looks way different this year. Well, that's because it's rookie BJ Ojolari. So yeah, their body types are a little different. It's just, it's funny. It's getting used to and it happens every year. As soon as we start to get comfortable with these players' names and numbers come training camp, they're all going to change. And then when the final roster is done, there's still going to be changes. So we're not going to be comfortable until a couple weeks into the season, honestly. It just seems like there's more this offseason compared to offseasons before, and that's just because of so much change. But look, as we were out there during the open portion and what we can say, week two, day two of OTA's mandatory minicamp is not for another two weeks, so not everyone in attendance. No, Buda Baker was not in attendance, although it was good to hear JT say that he and Buda are working together off-site. They're watching film. And as we heard Buda Baker tell Cam Cox of 12 Sports, he'll be here when he needs to be here, i.e. when it's mandatory. But that wasn't a real question, was I didn't it? Think I so. know there's probably a slight thought of, okay, is Buda going to hold in? But again, when you think about leverage, Buda Baker has two more years on his contract. He's not in a contract year. So a lot of those things that players might use for leverage in a contract year don't necessarily work in Buda Baker's favor. I did think it was funny, again, watching Jalen's reaction at the podium when asked about how the conversations are with Buddha when the two of them are working out offside and, and going through things together. And he's smiling. You know, his answer is what you would expect and probably the truth of, like, that's the business side. You know, it, it is what it is. But it is interesting because his smile, it's like, well, they're clearly talking about <laughs> how Buddha feels and what's going on around here. Um But that, you know, it was good to hear the video that was circulating online from that interview that Cam Cox had. It was good to hear Buddha say with a smile, yeah, I'll be there when it counts. When he was talking about this organization, Buddha still had a smile on his face. It didn't really feel like his temperament had changed from before all of this started when he went and publicly on social media said he was interested in a trade. So so it feels like maybe... You would think things are on the right track, whatever that means, um, for both the front office and for Buda Baker. This could be completely uncorrelated. But you do have to wonder if now releasing DeAndre Hopkins and being free of him financially next year will help set up a new deal for Buda Baker. I'm not sure something will happen this year, but maybe having more flexibility financially with the cap space Maybe they're coming to an agreement of, hey, like, you are a priority. We can't do it right now. We can't do it two years left on the contract. We are making it work now so we can make it work for you in the future. That last part that you just said, it can't be done this offseason. Technically, it can. I mean, if a team wants to do... Okay, No, no, I'm just saying. (laughs) If a team wants to do something, they find a way. Yes. But it's the... And I understand the line of thinking, Buda Baker heart, soul of the franchise and you want to do right by him because he is the example you want everyone to emulate. It's the precedent that it sets with a brand new general manager as far as having two years, forget the guarantee, not guaranteed, but looking for something with two years remaining on your contract. Typically, it's one year remaining. There are some teams that just wait until the contract expires. So, 
Yes, there's a difference between Buda Baker and, say, DJ Humphreys, who's going to be in the same boat this time next year. But try telling that to the agent. Try telling that to the player, meaning DJ. It's, it's a slippery slope, so I'm more of leaning towards what you just said. Look, you are a priority, not this offseason. We can't do anything. Come back next offseason. And besides, this, this idea of no guaranteed money this year, answer me this. Are you, if you're general manager Monty Austin Ford, are you cutting Buda Baker? No. Okay, so he's on the roster week one. His 2023 contract is guaranteed if he's on the roster week one. So really? there's so that eliminates that conversation as far as not having guaranteed money. You're not cutting Buddha. He's getting his money this year. Right. I, I agree. And I think, too, if there are fans who are feeling concerned about this, I think you, you need to give Austin Fort a chance to prove what he is trying to build. And I think the moves he has made, not just personnel-wise of free agents that have been brought in, but I think when you look at the financial side of things as well and the decision to release D-Hop, I I think that things are moving in the right direction. And to me, that means you are not just setting yourself up to be successful this year, you are setting yourself up for long-term success when it comes to these contracts. So you don't have all of these players and how it's been in the past, all of these veterans who are more so nearing the end of their career getting these big contracts and everyone's contract is ending at the same time and you're having to do all these things and maneuver around cap space and, and players having hold-ins. And it seems like this front office is trying to change that idea and that it will take time, but they are taking those steps in the right direction, which is why I think we feel the same way, that Buda Baker will be on this roster and he will play this year. And I do still think that they find a way to get something done with him next year at the earliest. And again, and, and that's the earliest because, I mean, if this is looking way far in advance, I mean, you still have the tag option. There's, there's yes. n- the, the Cardinals still have the power here. I'm just saying I don't think it's realistic to expect something new for Buda Baker this year to your point of the precedent that that would be setting moving forward. Now, saying all that, if for whatever reason Friday next week there's an announcement or we find out something was done, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm just I'm going off of what you're saying, Danny, that it's it's that precedent and there is a plan in place. There is a process that needs to develop and move forward. Let's not jump steps in this because as we're all realizing, there is a lot to clean up roster-wise, salary cap-wise, to get this team back to where we all want it to be, and that is atop the NFC West in the postseason, and dare I say, making a Super Bowl run, which is where Jonathan Gannon was just a couple months ago. It's a pretty lofty task, Craig. There's a lot that needs to be done. I will say again, it feels like the changes that have been made financially when you're talking about the cap space, when it talks about the type of culture this coaching staff is creating and that the players seem to be buying in, those are things you need to take you in the right direction, and it's one step at a time. So those are some lofty goals you have. Uh, Maybe not everything happens at once, but it does feel like this organization, again, from both the front office and 
personnel side is moving in the right direction together. Now, we did not see Buddha on the field, but we did somewhat hear from Buddha while his teammates were out on the practice field because, lo and behold, Buddha Baker at 11.09 Thursday morning tweets the following, PR today, keep climbing. And PR means personal record, I'm guessing. I don't think it's public relations unless you know what PR. No, you're right. Okay. Your uh, lingo did, is correct. Uh, oh, thank you. You're welcome. I'm, had, I'm a slow learner here, Danny. Just help me out. We had different thoughts on the tweet because you thought that was that was during the practice. That was yes. during OTAs. And you thought it was intentional to tweet so people saw that while they were watching practice. And to me, it sounded more like Buda Baker works out in the morning. He finished his workout not surprisingly around the same time that he would have been working out here and he sent that tweet, which is what he's kind of been doing throughout the offseason, working on his own. He's been posting more videos and tweets of that nature. So you and I felt a little differently. I think you thought it was a little more calculated, and to me it was just more coincidental timing-wise. Bottom line is he'll be ready, talking about Buda Baker, and I think this leads to a larger discussion because what I think we both are in agreement is you've got Buda Baker – You've got Jalen Thompson and Isaiah Simmons, who continues to work with the safeties as he has for over a year now. So that's that's not a surprise anymore. Do we see more of those three players on the field at the same time? If the strongest position group that this team has on either side of the ball is the safety position because of those three players, Buda, JT, and Isaiah, you want your best 11 defensively on the field you're playing all three of those and then you try to figure it out from the back end forward you and I were discussing this very briefly before we started recording and my answer is yes I do think we see the three of them and I don't think it's just because let me rewind yes it is partially because they are three of your most skilled players on defense I don't want to take away from that I also think the reason you will likely see the three of them out there together is because of the lack of strength in other areas of your defense. And I'm thinking cornerback, because right now you've got Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, and some question marks. Christian Matthew, Garrett Williams, who is watching practice but still not able or cleared to participate coming off that ACL injury. And then defensive line. What do you do at D-line as far as, is it three, four, two, which we saw all different combinations a year ago as far as how many defensive linemen do you have out there that you can trust? That's the big thing. You don't have the anchors of a Zach Allen or a J.J. Watt you did a year ago, and that's not necessarily a knock on the players who are returning. A lot of the players who are returning, Jonathan Ledbetter, Richard Lawrence, haven't consistently been healthy. So really, it's it's really just lucky foe to if you're looking at the players that have stayed over and, and then you've added Carlos Watkins and LJ Collier this offseason. It's hard to say because we haven't really truly seen that work, which we won't really get to until training camp to see how what the strength of your D-line really looks like. But from what we have seen, it looks like the emphasis is going to be on the DBs when you have the strength in those three safeties 
and figuring out a way to best utilize your linebackers core of who will be your starters. We've, we've figured it's going to be Kaiser White who will probably have the green dot and who's going to be joining him. And I say linebackers, including Zayvon Collins and, and the wild card that he might be of. Is he going to be inside? Is he going to be more outside, which is where we have seen him getting this work? Or is that just because they trust Zayvon Collins inside so much already that they want him to get this extra work outside so he can be versatile, drop of a hat, drop of a pin. What's the saying? Drop of a hat. Drop of a hat. It sounded weird when I said You're not wearing a hat, but I get the analogy. Um, So I think the defensive line is your weakest spot on the defense, and I think you make up for that by having your three safeties and you try to have better coverage to allow, you know, more time to rush the quarterback or do what you need to do up front, let those linebackers do what they need to do. But I think the emphasis is going to have to be in the secondary. You play five DBs, meaning two corners, three safeties, and you figure it out as far as man-to-man zone or certain spots on the field. And then you move to outside linebacker. And once again, we're seeing Zayvon Collins during OTAs here work specifically at outside linebacker and more specifically on Thursday getting a lot of one-on-one instruction while the rest of his teammates are participating in special teams drills but Zavin and outside linebackers coach Rob Rodriguez really honing in on the details as far as hand placement, footwork, basics when it comes to rushing the quarterback or getting past the tackle or the tight end. It's twice now. I'm not ready to say he's permanently an edge rusher. Sorry, Paul Calvisi. But it is certainly leaning in that direction. Let me ask you if you feel this way. With the previous coaching staff, it felt like when we were out at practice during the season and we saw Zayvon Collins working with the pass rushers, that felt more like he was not ready to be the type of player they needed him to be at inside linebacker. Jordan Hicks was still here. That's There's a whole lot of moving parts. My point being that when we saw him practice, that felt more like, oh, let's find a spot for Zayvon of where he can be at his best, give us his best. Now, watching him work with the outside linebackers feels different. It feels like it's because they trust what Zayvon Collins can do inside. So let's put him outside and really have him focus on that aspect because we trust him so much inside because of the growth he had last season. Do you feel the same way where it it might look from the outside in kind of like a similar circumstance, but it feels really different? There was a little bit of a necessity because of injuries and then the fact that you're a first-round draft pick, you need to be on the field at any position just to play get some reps but you're right this because it's at the start of the offseason and you just look at that room in general the fact that my jay sanders and cameron thomas a year ago each had three sacks and that's your leaders in that room as far as production 18 sacks just went out the building with a with Zach Allen and J.J. Watt, so there's not there's not much in that room. And if you, again, go back to play your best 11, Zayvon Collins is your best 11. Find some place to play, and if you're going to go with Zayvon, Gardeck, Cameron Thomas, MyJ Sanders, well, there's four outside linebackers. With Kaiser White, I mean, I'm not going to say all four are going to be out there, but if you have a healthy rotation – you have more depth at outside linebacker than perhaps you do at inside. 
with Simmons now in the secondary and the fact that, as we just discussed, there's not much depth at defensive line as far as guys that you can trust every single week. I think it's clear that the coaching staff is trying to look at how to compensate for where those weaknesses and strengths are. If I had to make an assumption this early, the very start of June, I would say we will probably see Zayvon Collins spend most of his time outside except for certain packages and slide him inside. Again, not to discredit what Zayvon's ceiling is at that position, but I think you're also just compensating for otherwise a weak spot on the defense and trying to do what you can with who you have. And we also should mention B.J. Ojolari right now is not on the field and has got nothing to do that he is the lone draft pick that has yet to put pen to paper as far as signing that contract. He's nicked up right now, according to head coach Jonathan Gannon. So they're just, quote, being careful with number 18, i.e. A.J. Green, but it is B.J. Ojolari. But there's another name that, when healthy, you would think, based off his production in college, now it's a lot to ask from going from LSU to the Arizona Cardinals, how much do we see of him on the field? That's a good question. Hopefully he's not nicked up to the point where he's questionable to be ready at the start of training camp. We don't really know what that entails, what we saw out there when he was out there. He wasn't using crutches or anything that makes it seem like some long recovery process. But that'll be interesting is when will he be ready and how much could he possibly be slowed down in that process from not being out on the field right now? He's watching, getting those mental reps like Kyler Murray, who once again was present during the open portion of OTA. So it's not like BJ's inside rehabbing. He's outside, just not participating, but he is watching, listening. And I even saw him a couple of times just kind of go through the motions a little bit with his hands and his feet. So I don't think it's too far away. Maybe it's next week or mandatory minicamp, or maybe it's something that he's dealing with that, hey, you know what? Take these couple of weeks off. You're in the meeting room. You're watching film. And we'll start fresh as far as participating when training camp begins. Yeah, there'll be a lot of questions when he comes back of what type of injury it was, too. Of this going to be something that possibly lingers? I mean, there's going to be a lot of questions. But you would think that being the high draft pick and being out there on the field, getting those mental reps, going through film, being in meetings that hopefully should not slow down that process of being ready when he does step out onto the field too just, much. Just looking at um, my notes, he did deal with a hamstring injury during the pre-draft process, so maybe that popped up again. Who knows? But bottom line is he is out on the field, just not participating at the moment. All right, let's switch it over to what we saw offensively as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We had a chance to hear from Yelda Froholt, the 26-year-old center, and I'm not sure if I'm ready to say starting center, but right now the only player on the offensive line with any kind of center experience, starting experience, and those were four games a year ago playing for the Cleveland Browns, but Yelda Froholt certainly appears ready to be that guy if called upon. And right now, if there was a game played this weekend, Danny, he is your starting center. And to me, that's a little concerning based off the inexperience, but it's June 1st, not September 1st. 
that's also concerning because you don't really know what the rest of your offensive line is going to look like. I would feel a lot more comfortable if center were the only position where there were question marks, but that's simply not the case. And that's not necessarily a knock on Yelda Froholt, um, but how much of this is he is a starting caliber center and how much is he's the most starting caliber center we have on our roster at the moment. Um, He was great with the media, though. I'll say that his personality was fantastic, as is most offensive linemen so that he kept it pretty fun asked about playing center said quote it's been awesome so far so good it just I don't I don't fear his confidence level at playing the position but I'll go back to when Darren Urban did a story on Froholt back in May and mentioned quote kind of got thrown into the fire a little bit meaning his time with the Browns as far as starting those four games because the top three centers all landed on injured reserve. So the last resort was Froholt, and here with the Cardinals, it's the number one option. I I still think there's a chance that the way the offensive line we think looks right now, June 1, is not what the offensive line will look like when the season starts or even really with preseason. Are you expecting a move at the center position from outside or someone else, i.e. a John Gaines, who's getting work at center? I don't know that I would say John Gaines. I think maybe if Lasita Smith, I know he didn't play games, but that's where he was getting all of his reps last year was at center. Or maybe you bring somebody else in with a little more starting experience. There's just... You're not going to have your starting quarterback, so you're now having a center that doesn't have a lot of experience starting working with backup quarterbacks, and we don't know who's going to be next to him. We, we don't know what the guards are going to look like right now. Like we, we don't know who's filling those spots. There's just a lot of question marks that make me feel really hesitant, and it's not necessarily just on Froholt out at center. It's just the offensive line as a whole because there are players who have the talent and the versatility. We just don't know where anybody's going to fit quite yet. Gannon had a great response when asked about center. Quote, as long as we can get it back there, meaning snapping the football. He also brought up making the correct line calls and obviously protecting the quarterback. You also have to figure in and factor in Colt McCoy's experience at the quarterback position. How much could he help? I wouldn't say inexperienced Yelda Froholt, but considering that there are only four starts at center under his belt over four seasons, how much a veteran quarterback, how much Colt could help not only Froholt, but everyone else of those five guys that are in charge of protecting him and open up rushing lanes. I don't doubt that. I mean, Froholt even said that in his press conference on Thursday is that Colt has been one of those players who's been really helpful when it comes to, he laughed, he said, not necessarily at route running, uh, but with communication and reading the defense and the cadence and all of that kind of stuff. And I would imagine Colt is that way with not just Froholt in the centers, but with everyone on the offense. Froholt, the Danish army knife. He was proud of that joke. Can play some fullback. Some tight end he mentioned that he played a little bit last season and obviously both guard and center. But yeah, from Denmark, so not the Swiss Army Knife, but the Danish Army Knife. Pretty clever. You like that? I do. Yeah, he was funny. 
Also had some good things to say about Paris Johnson Jr. and John Gaines as far as where they are, as far as their learning and building, being willing to make mistakes and not feel bad about those mistakes or be down on themselves, but make the mistakes now. Don't repeat those mistakes. Learn from them so you're ahead of the game once the regular season starts, depending on what happens with either of them as far as where they're playing. I'm, I'm, I'm still going out on a limb saying, based off everything that I've seen, that Parrish continues to be right of center. Now, is that right tackle or right guard? But he continues to be on that side of the line of scrimmage. That is what it is appearing to be, and that doesn't entirely feel like that's because of the holes you have with veterans who have not been out here yet. It's just, again, it's it's wondering of, are they going to have him compete with Calvin Beecham to be a right tackle? Are they going to put Paris Johnson at right guard and you're going to move Will Hernandez over? I, there's just so many different moves. What are you going to do with Josh Jones, who has also been getting some reps on the right side? It's just, I don't know, Craig, and I know it's early. It's just, there's a lot of options. And a little frustrating because we don't have the answers, although you don't have a game to play this weekend yet at the same time would you feel a little bit better that there weren't this many questions about this team here on June 1st or is it hey it's the offseason this is where you experiment a little bit figure out and to borrow Gannon's favorite phrase figure out what these players do best and put them in position to succeed I think it's a little bit of both this is the time to experiment and see who fits best where and next to whom and especially with the new coaching staff and a lot of new faces on this team, I, I get that. Again, there's just a lot of other variables. That there's lots of positions on the offensive line. This isn't just one. You're not going to have your starting quarterback, so you're having to figure out cohesiveness there. You just lost your top receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. There's just a lot of moving parts to where it doesn't feel as comfortable maybe if other parts of this offense were set in stone where, okay, we have a few question marks. They're, these question marks feel a lot bigger because there's so many of them at so many positions. Leave me with this as far as offensive line and specifically Paris Johnson Jr. because I think this is a perfect segue here to episode two of season two of Game On. And once again, Danny Sarek putting her unbeaten record on the line in season two against Paris Johnson Jr. in what? Guess who? I got to admit, I'm kind of where with Paris on this. If For those of mine that have seen it, go to the Cardinals' official YouTube channel, but I'm with Paris. I didn't play Guess Who Not to be up. rude, Craig, but that's fine. Okay. I'm closer in age to Paris than I am to you, so it was shocking to know that I had to explain <laughs> a game that I spent a lot of my childhood playing to Paris before we got started, which was fun. But no, he was... He's great. He, he's had, got such a great personality and seems like he's got a great head on his shoulders and is such a hard worker. And I like that this series you get to know these players as people and not in the stereotypical one-on-one -on -one interview fashion, just sitting down in a chair in a studio, but we're playing games that bring out their fun, competitive side. The first episode was with Zayvon Collins on a putting green. Episode two is with Paris Johnson Jr. playing Guess Who, and there's going to be more throughout the offseason. But yes, official YouTube channel, maybe on the website, Twitter, YouTube channel. Though, now, it's sure. already been posted, so for those that might have missed it, we can reveal exactly who won, or dare I say, what did not happen, because I'm just going to go out and say it. 
a tie, Danny, is unacceptable. I know. Each winning I will one say, game, you didn't, hey, let's go with the rubber match. I game will three. say we are under, especially with the rookies, a certain time constraint um, with the days that they are out here and how much time we have and getting everything set up. So we did end it on a tie, 1-1. I'm sure we'll hear from him in the future, maybe another game on down the road. Um, but I, I left him on a tie, especially because it was his first time playing, so I gave him a little slack. All right. Episode three, is there a tease out there that you can give everyone? Not confirmed okay. enough to tease it. I will when it's confirmed. That's a tease in of itself right hey, there. there you go. By the way, Paris is scheduled to throw out the first pitch at Friday's Diamondbacks game. In fact, the entire, I believe, most, if not all, the rookies are going to be at that game on Friday. Should be a good one, too. The Atlanta Braves are in town, their first place in the NL East. In fact, you got the top two teams in the National League playing this weekend. And let's go back to an earlier conversation, Danny. Are you still paying attention to baseball? Define paying attention. <laughs> Am I watching games on my TV? No. Have I been to more games in person since opening day? No, I didn't even go on opening day. It was the opening, op- weekend. opening weekend. No. That's not to say I wouldn't have interest. I just haven't gone. Now, I do have the alerts on my phone, and like I follow them on Twitter. Okay, so I am staying good. in the know, and I know that they are doing very well in the National League. Yep. Yeah, what division? The NL? Would, yeah, what, what division within the National League? I'm going to go on a limb and say the West. Very good. Wow, great context clues there. Um, so I have been paying attention more so than I have in the past, and that is a success. What about your team in the American League? I also know the Texas Rangers have been doing pretty well. I don't. It's the same deal. I kind of have follow people and the teams on Twitter. I've got the alerts on, and that's kind of. That's good for me right now. Well, considering you're back or you're making an effort to get back into the game, you picked the Diamondbacks, who, as we speak, are just a half game back of the Dodgers for first place, and the Rangers, who are in first place in the American League West. So I think maybe it's people need to pay attention to who you're paying attention to and then follow there. I'm pretty important, Craig. So I would agree with that. They should pay attention to what I'm paying attention to. Maybe I'm the good luck charm. By the way, the Rangers will be in town later in August playing the Diamondbacks August 21st and 22nd. I looked it up. There's a roof at Chase Field, right? Yes, there is. Okay, then maybe. Okay. And if you you miss that, your Rangers will be in Minnesota. My Rangers. When you and the rest of the Cardinals content and creative team are waiting for the Cardinals-Vikings joint practices before that third preseason game. Yeah, that could be fun. Does wherever whatever Minnesota's ballpark is called have a roof? I do not believe it does. Okay, I'm a maybe. <laughs> I'm a maybe on that one. We'll see. Are you looking forward to the trip to Minnesota? I am. I think it'll be fun. I know that their practice facility is pretty new and supposed to be beautiful. I had a blast when we went to Minnesota last season. That stadium is magnificent. The in-game entertainment was a lot of fun. I'm excited. I feel like it's going to be a good group. They've got enough also big names where I feel like it's going to be some fun, competitive 
spirited practices. You know, get to see Jordan Hicks, Byron Murphy again, Justin Jefferson. So I think it's going to be a good time. And let's hope it's multiple practices as opposed just to just one. the one that was. I have a feeling there will like be like a half a practice a year ago in Tennessee. I have a feeling there will be more than half a practice between these two teams. Yeah. By the way, the Cardinals will be at home for those first two preseason games and the third preseason game at Minnesota on August 26th. The Cardinals getting kicked out of State Farm Stadium because of the Beyonce concerts two days before on the 24th. And if you're looking for tickets to the preseason or regular season, azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets. All good, Danny? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Awesome. It's always a pleasure to have you here on Cardinals Cover 2. Always a pleasure to be here, Craig. All right. And on that note, we'll leave it on a positive note. We'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohandro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.